we're going to get into the story, and I want to, uh, the next characteristic I want to talk about is courage. To have grit, you have to have courage. You have to have courage in, in your life and, and what you do. We're going to, uh, we're going to get into this, and I, I hope you're ready. I hope you're ready to see there is so many different angles on uh, this grit and this, this taking courage in, in a situation when you don't feel like you could take courage in a situation. So we're going to um, get into the story. Do you want to read it in the, uh, in the message? Let's read it and then we're going to talk about it. This is in Mark chapter 5, verses 21 through 34 in the message. Um, and this is about the woman with the issue of blood. It says, after Jesus crossed over by boat, a large crowd met him at the seaside. One of the meeting place leaders named Jairus came, and when he saw Jesus, he fell to his knees beside him and begged. My do dear daughter is in de at death's door. Come and lay hands on her so she will get well and live. And Jesus went with him. Um, and the crowd tagging along, pushing and jostling him. And a woman who had suffered a condition of hemorrhaging for 12 years, a long succession of physicians had treated her and treated her badly, taking all her money and leaving her worse off than before, had heard about Jesus. She slipped in from behind and touched his robe, and she was thinking to herself, if I can put a finger on his robe, I can get well. And the moment she did it, the flow of blood dried up, and she could feel the change and knew her plague was over and done with. And at the same moment, Jesus felt energy discharging from him. And he turned around to the crowd and asked, who touched my robe? And his disciples said, what are you talking about? Everybody touched you. That's pretty much what they're saying. Everybody's touched you, Jesus. They said, with this crowd pushing and jostling you, you're asking who touched me and dozens have touched you. But he went on asking, Looking around to see who had done it, and the woman, knowing what had happened, knowing she was the one, stepped up in fear and trembling, knelt before him and gave the whole story. And Jesus said to her, Daughter, you took a risk of faith, and now you're healed and whole. Live well, live blessed, and be healed of your plague. So powerful. This story is one of the most craziest stories in the Bible. And I believe, could this story have fit determination? Absolutely. But the courage to have, let me read you what courage is. Doing something in spite of fear, strength in the face of pain. Courage is a choice, a willingness to confront agony, pain, danger, uncertainty. This woman had an issue of blood. You hear about a man that meets Jesus. What was his name? Jairus. Jairus. What was her name? We don't know. The woman the with woman. an issue of blood. In the Bible, most of the time when they put a name, there was a significance to it. This guy was in the synagogue. He was a leader, an influencer. He, he, you know, he, people looked to him. But even though you had all that leadership and all that stuff, you have to still look to Jesus because with all the knowledge and all the stuff I have, I'm still going to have to figure out he's my source. So the crazy thing about this story is that this story doesn't take place that Jesus came to her and healed her. This story is that he crossed over and was on his path and got interrupted by a man whose daughter was dying. 
and seeing the compassion, not just because who he is. Oh yeah, you're a leader in the synagogue. I'm gonna go over there because that looks good. I'm gonna go hang out with the leaders. It doesn't matter if you, what side of the tracks you live on. If there's a need, he wants to meet it. Doesn't matter which side. We we almost segregate that sometimes. And just a quick little backstory on a few things. Priests were not allowed to be touched. You don't touch a priest because they don't know if you're clean or unclean or whatever the case is. But but if you were unclean and you put your hands on a the priest, they became unclean. So there was this sacred thing that was going on where you can't touch the priest. You would have to go before a few other people and the priest would go before. You see what I'm saying? They were untouchable. And there was a lot of times that people that had issues were not allowed to touch anybody. The crazy thing is, is this, as, as the woman with the issue of blood started, she had help. Because when it first started, we didn't know what was going on. So we're trying to help, but we started to realize that she couldn't stop bleeding and there was some issues going on, hemorrhaging and all this stuff for 12 years. I remember, Mom, when you gave birth to Brianna and you hemorrhaged and they, you flatlined, you died. And they brought you back. 12 years of hemorrhaging and, and being so weak because of loss of blood. So she fit in the category as a leper because she was unclean. So what happens with people that are unclean, they get casted out and they know that if, if they're unclean, they will pick up a stone and, and literally try to just throw it at them, try to kill them. Basically, whether they're killing them or not, they're trying to push them out of the city. Yes. Keep them on the outskirts so they don't disrupt the establishment of what's going on and definitely don't touch the priest and anybody else. Because if you touched her, then you're unclean too. And so the same concept of a leopard, they would put them on the outskirts. You would say almost on the outskirts, just like where people were crucified. They weren't crucified in the middle of the city. It was more like a dump. Like if you ever had to go to the dump out there and drop all the trash, it is crazy out there. You're afraid to do it because you're going to blow a tire and you get very expensive. But that's where they would crucify people out on the outskirts. But that's where they would send people and cast them and banish them on the outskirts. And so you, there's a lot of weird things going on. We're gonna, I'm going to kind of unfold a little bit and then we're going to dig into this. Because this woman had an issue for 12 years. Being so isolated that she had nobody. It said even in the scripture that, that the doctors took her money. Anybody been there? Going to the doctor get, didn't get one thing right? Took the wrong medicine? It still messed you up? Gave you side effects and you still searching for an answer? Doing whatever it takes because you hurt so bad. I don't know if you all can relate. Look, can I just break it back a little bit? Pull it back a little bit? We'll take the woman's name out. Woman. And we'll take blood out. A person with an issue. Can anybody relate? A person with an issue. So a priest couldn't be touched. Anybody unclean couldn't touch anybody else because if they did, then they were unclean. So this girl 
which is now a woman, is isolated by her own family. She had siblings, anybody else. But you got to think of this. This woman had a bleeding issue. Not trying to be weird and stuff, but there's always a stench to that. You could cover it up with so many clothes, but after a while, there's a stench to who you are if you don't take care of yourself. And so there was the bleeding nonstop. There was the stench. There was the look. You could smell it in the wind. And she was isolated. Do you realize that like if you take a child, take two children, show affection to one and don't show affection to the other one and see what happens. At all. See what happens. One will develop a lot more than the other would because of the affection. The one neglected it's not going to develop as much. Everything starts caving in. So, this woman has this issue. She's tried everything. Everything. Anything and everything. She even had the courage to go to the doctor. And the doctor played games with her and kept taking her money. And now she's broke. She could have just... Necessarily just been the woman with the issue of finances. Anybody been there? Anybody stimulus run out yet? <laughs> you see what I'm saying? But what, does, what happens when, when we deal with this stuff? When, when you have an issue. Some people have issue of alcohol. What does it do? Issue with anger. What does it do? It isolates you. It pulls you apart from everybody else. Until you can take up the courage to know that you have a problem and you need the healer. You will stay isolated. Until you can understand you really need to change. You will stay isolated. So. Man. I wrote a couple things down that the priests weren't supposed to be touched. And I related it to religion because that happens a lot. That religion causes us to be untouchable. Religion causes separation and division. Religion loves principle more than people. Religion loves principle more than people. God did not so love the world that he might save principles. He so loved the world that he might save people. So many people are bound by principles that they're missing the whole thing of loving people. That they have to do it a certain way and you can meet on this day and you can present it to this priest and you can do it this way and you wear this outfit and you can worship this way and we don't believe in this tongue and we don't raise our hands to this thing. Too many religious principles you know what he's about? People. You. Your neighbor. People in front of you. <laughs> Man, and he's really about your enemies. He just challenges you with them. Because you know every one of us got somebody that just drives us crazy. 
He's all about that too. And sometimes he uses you to your crazy people. Oh, you said that in your prayers. Let's find out. <laughs> Been there, done that. Too many times. Don't let the devil think you're not valuable. Even based on your mistakes you've made. Or based on anything else. Jesus Christ died for you. You're valuable. How can you doubt your worth when you've already been purchased? How can you doubt it? When you've already been purchased. And then you want somebody else to give you the value of what you're worth. When the, the king of kings purchased on the cross you. He died for you. You were bought with the price. There's no debt to your value. And here's the greatest thing. We have a high priest, Jesus Christ, that can be touched. He can be reached. You can reach him. You don't need special people to reach him. Just like we talked about last week, Paul and Silas was in a jail cell and was able to reach him. We have a touchable priest, which Jesus came and changed the game. Because all the other priests up to that point couldn't be touched. So when he came on the earth and when he started his ministry, people that were sick, there were a lot of issues going on. And they found out like the woman with the issue of blood. Isn't it funny? We always reference to that. But we hold on to the backside of the story that she was healed, that she had courage, that she did do what she did. We hold on to that. And we get into this thing. And we realize that, one, let's be real about it. She was a woman. Ain't no woman gonna go up in a guy, a meeting with men, and disrupt it. Didn't we already have that issue once? When somebody busted up in a jar and in a group of men and started putting oil and anointing Jesus and they were all getting tore up because that woman just disrupted their manly meeting. <laughs> Racism and sexism have been going on for a long time, way before we were born. Let's go back in the Bible, how far back. And this woman that has been not touched, not physical, not hugging or not, I, I guarantee when you walked in here, Somebody might have shaked your hand or hugged you or did something in this house. You had some kind of contact with somebody. And how hard is that for church when everybody's socially distant and all this and that and being careful and it almost kind of disrupts everything. And I can still love people from a distance. They ain't going to stop me. But you're talking about 12 years. Not at the beginning because it was just happening. So 12 years into it. And she gets the courage to say, if I can only touch the hem of his garment. She's saying this to herself. Why? I really believe that she had to continue to encourage herself to take the courage to do it. I can just touch the hem of his garment. She probably dressed up even, 
even more secretive and covered her face and her hair and she 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 probably wore extra clothes because the stench of her blood was probably too thick and smelled so bad but if i can just because i heard about this man because if we go back in the story that he reached out and touched the leopard and healed the leopard and he did this and he did that this man jesus there's a stirring in the city because he's about to walk right past where i live Listen, you can get to a place where you just want people to love you and your mess. I'm all about that. But if you always sit there and just waiting for people to love you and your mess, you're not going to do anything. Sometimes you've got to get up out of your mess and go the extra mile yourself. With or without anybody's love or approval. I think that's some of the problem, though, is that we're waiting on somebody else to fix it for us. Yeah. You know, she went to the physicians and she had... All these people try to help her, even her family and different ones, and they weren't the ones to help her. And I think about that, and it's like, you know, sometimes we want this fairy tale story for somebody to be the hero in our story and come rescue us and come save us. And most of the time, that person is not Jesus Christ. We don't put him in that position. We try to put somebody else, whether it's our friends that are our best friends or whether it's our uh, mom or whether it's our dad or whether it's a brother or whether it's a sister or it could be our boss to try to save us to get us out of a pinch or whether it's our pastors you know what I'm saying we we try to draw off all these things and we still come up empty and what's crazy is about this woman is sometimes you just got to be your own hero in the story at a moment not that Jesus wasn't her hero. See, Jesus was her salvation. He's the ultimate hero in the end goal that we get to. But sometimes you just got to pull yourself to say, you know what? I don't have to rely on everybody else to get to where I need to go. There's something inside of me. There's this, there's this gumption. There's this unction. There's just this desire to want to be better. There's a desire to want to keep going. And I think what's happened is so many times we have suppressed that hunger, that appetite for desire to do more, to reach after more, to, to set goals, to have a to have a prize set before us and achieve something. And what happens is because we've suppressed it, then we depress it. And what happens is depression begins to set over where you are and who you are. And all your thoughts are, well, I'll do it later. Or I'll get to that later. Or, this is just how it's going to be. Woe is me. Nothing's going to get any better. This is just terrible. Life is terrible. It's just not any good. I'm never going to make enough money. I'm not going to have any friends. My marriage is never going to work. I'm never going to feel any better. I'm not going to get any healing. My kids aren't going to love me. They're never going to go to church. Nothing's ever going to change. I'm never going to get a nice car. I'm never going to have a nice home. It doesn't matter if I get up today. It's nice and beautiful and sunny out, but it's just going to be a terrible day. And we do that so many times to ourselves. We put our mindset in that position that it literally um, takes all the grit away. It literally takes every part of grit out of us. And it literally just, we waste it on nothing. And I think about this woman and the pain that she had to go through. And being in pain for so long. And I know firsthand from what that feels like to have pain take care and over your body to the point to where you are literally miserable. It doesn't matter when you go to bed and you sleep at night, you're awake in pain. You wake up in pain in the morning. You do all your jobs in pain. You can take all these medicines and all these things and you still live in pain. And it doesn't matter how many surgeries, how many things that go on, there is pain that just begins to change your mindset with things because
because after a while, it literally antagonizes the spirit. And this woman was 12 years into pain, into suffering, into agony. And I begin to think about her and, and that not just pain from literal, physical, but spiritual and emotional pain. That agony of asking, God, are you ever going to heal me? Is this ever going to get any better? Is anything ever going to change? Because I'm doing what's right here. I'm trying. I've done everything I could. I've gone after everybody I can. I've tried to search every answer that's possible. Are you ever going to listen to my cry? Do you hear me? Do you even know I'm here anymore? Does this make any sense to you, God, what I'm going through? And all of a sudden what happens is she still gets this, this grit inside of herself to say, you know what? No matter what my mind says, no matter what anybody else says, I don't care what I am supposed to do. I don't care what the law says. I don't care what anything happens. I believe that if I just touch that, a piece of fabric on him, that I will get better. I have to have that faith in that. I have to believe that if I just get up on my own, not knowing that anybody's going to push me, not somebody, oh, honey, it's all going to be okay, and it's going to get better. Let's just walk you to the altar. Sometimes you got to walk yourself to the altar. Sometimes you got to get yourself to a place to where you know God's more than anybody's answer. That he's the answer. That he's what is true. That he's the truth and the life and the hope and the peace and the healing and the grace and the mercy and the joy. He's all those things. Sometimes you just got to know for yourself. Why do we wait so long for somebody else to give us our results when we can be resolute in Christ? This woman had such courage. I guarantee it took everything in her to push through that crowd. I guarantee by the time she got to Jesus, the ability to just touch his garment felt so far away. And yet she did. And then all of a sudden, these, the, Jesus feels this come out of him because see what happens is when you... You don't really understand what happens when you really cry out to God. It moves the heart of him. It moves him to work in your behalf. And it may not be in your time, just like we talked about take courage. It's not always in your time, and it's not the way that you think it should be. Most of the time, it never is the way you think it should be. God does not work that way. He doesn't work to your clock, to your standards, to what you want, to what you desire. He made you. He's the creator. He's God. We work to his standards and to his timing and to what he desires. And sometimes we just feel that nothing ever is going to make a difference. And we've been in this for so long. And this lady, she, she had been in this for so long. And all of a sudden, she just got this grit about herself to say, I'm not giving up till I just touch Jesus. I'm not going to stop till I just touch Jesus. It doesn't matter if it's just the outside of him. And what happens is she is then, she's not only faced with her, her courage to face her pain, she has to face now the crowd. Because now they're turning around and looking at Jesus and saying, what do you mean who touched you? I'm touching you. I just touched, I just, I'm touching you right now. I just touched you, Jesus. And you know what he says to them? No. You didn't touch me in the way of longing for my presence. You didn't touch me in the way of wanting to worship me. You didn't touch me in the way of faith to hope in me. 
You didn't touch me in the way of knowing that you needed something from me because I was the great physician and the healer. You didn't touch me like that. Who touched me? That was a trendy touch. Yeah. It wasn't like that. Not, not with her, but everybody else. Oh. oh, it's Jesus. Oh, it's Jesus. But that's the same thing we do on Sundays. Oh, it's Jesus. Well, what's interesting about it is here they are around him the whole time. But they weren't touching in their heart. And I looked up the word courage in the Latin, and it means heart. Courage means heart. And I started thinking about what you said, Brandon, about me hemorrhaging. I was 26 weeks pregnant, bedridden for two months. Every time I got up, I hemorrhaged. Every time I got up, I hemorrhaged. I was going to the emergency room every Friday, week. And when I woke up the next morning, I had been rolling in blood all over my bed, passed out. I remember looking up and saying, somebody needs to help me, I can't lift my head. Looked like a car wreck. And when they got me to the hospital, which was Miss Sally, drove up to my, you know how God, God's, God's amazing. This woman didn't know where I lived, but she pulled up to my house when the phone she said, here's my number. I don't know who you are, but if you ever need, come on, somebody touch somebody. But if you ever need me, and I left that sitting there because Pop was working nights, I'm telling you. And when they put me into the hospital and I got in there, the doctor said, you're 26 weeks, your baby's not going to make it. I said, oh, but she will make it. And he said, no, you don't understand. You're 26 weeks, you've been hemorrhaging. And the next thing I know, I remember, and I know this sounds crazy, but I remember the blood dripping off of my bed. Drip, 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 drip. And now I'm starting to pass out because I don't have any more strength. But I had hope. No, I had hope that when they took me in, and they kept saying, I just want you to know that your baby's not going to make I can hear the doctor saying this. And I can hear Sally screaming saying, oh, no, that baby will make it. So there was hope. Courage is not the lack of fear, but the ability to face it. Do it in spite of. She had strength in the face of pain and grief. All of a sudden, there was a grip that came in me. No matter how weak I was, there was a grip that came in me. And I started singing on the way there. And Sally said, why are you singing? And I said, I'm touching him. No matter what's going on, it's all over her car. There was a lot of things that happened. When I came to, I said, where's my baby? They said, that baby's in the incubator. I said, you need to bring me to my baby. They said, ma'am, we can't even lift you. You've lost so much blood. They took my bed and they shoved it down into that by that incubator. And I stuck my hand in there and I started praying over my dog. Come on. Somebody touch somebody. Sometimes you've got to reach your hand out. It says love God and love people. So if you're touching God, you must be touching somebody else. Because if you're just touching God and you ain't touching nobody else, you're pretty selfish. Because he still wants us to reach out. She was unwanted. She didn't have a name. She was spit. 
you were, but he was crying, curled up crying because he thought I was going to die. That's the truth. It looked like a car wreck. And I remember looking up and I said, everything's going to be okay. There was that grit. There was that pull. When I started thinking about what courage means, in the Latin, in French, it means heart. And isn't it funny how she was, he was going to where the 12-year-old was, but he was going to the lady that had the issue of 12. And 12 means authority. It means divinity. It means finished. And some of you have had your issue and you've been dripping 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 everywhere. But you've got to realize that somebody is here to help you. God's there to tell you. You've got to have the courage to have that grit to push your way into that hymn. Isn't it awesome how God and all the people were touching him, but the one that touched him pulled on his power? Well, I remember... Like, when that happened with mom, we were in the room, and then all of a sudden, there's beeps going on, and you just heard a doo, and they, they grabbed me, threw me out of the room, and she was laying there limp, and they shut the door in my face. And dad, I don't know where you were, he was on his way, but all I could remember is saying, Jesus. I didn't know what else to say. I wasn't mad at nobody. I didn't know what, who to call on. Didn't have nobody. I was standing in the hallway and watched the door shut as her body was laid down. And I could just call on Jesus. I believe this woman with the issue of blood or issue or anybody else's issue, she, if I could just touch the hem of his garment, she had to keep reminding herself, I'm a woman, I shouldn't even belong here, but if I could just touch the hem of his garment. I, I got to fight through the crowd, but if I, if I touch the crowd, they're going to be unclean and they're going to kill me. I'm at the point that they're going to kill me now. If I go, if I take these steps towards Jesus, they're going to kill me. But I got to hide myself and I got to get pretty secure. Do you realize the hem of his garment is the dirtiest part of him? That drags through the dirt. And oh, just fighting to get in between the people just to touch it. And the people would, just like you saw... If you watch the news in, in, in Jerusalem, they just had 100,000 people on this thing and thousands died because they were trampled by the same people celebrating. Just happened two nights ago. And touching the hem of her garment, or his garment, crowd pushing her around, being a woman, being unclean, not finding any worth, but knowing that I've spent my money on all the doctors. You got to realize before Jesus, it was quiet. Until this crazy man, John the Baptist, saying, prepare the way of the Lord. And then when Jesus took off, everybody was hearing about it. It's like 12 years of not being touched. 12 years of isolation. For a woman, 12 years of not having the ability to be impregnated, to birth a child. Going through all of this and Honestly, at some point in time, having more hope in a doctor than in God. Some of us sitting in this room are in that place right now. Just speaking prophetically because I've been stirred and feeling it in my soul. That some of you have been consumed 
by other things. And isn't it funny that it took her laying down the thing she thought was going to take care of her? It took her laying that down before she could finally realize he's the only one that can take care of it. Sometimes you got to lay some things down and realize that he's the only answer. And some of us have been stirred up and trying to make other answers happen when the answer's not even there. It's only through Jesus Christ. And then you said something about the hem of the garment. I was just sitting here thinking about it. That the hem is the place where the stitches happen. And she had to touch the stitching place so she could get woven back in to the, to the fabric of who he is. She had to have the courage just to get there and touch him. It says that when he died on the cross and paid the penalty and rose from the dead, that he interwove us back into the family. And what she was doing in that moment was getting interwoven back into the family of God. She's been separated for 12 years, but now there's no longer a separation. But she's back in. She can be touched again. She can be loved again. She can be impregnated again. She can have all of this in her life. But it had to take courage for her to get to that place. Some of us sitting in this room just need to have courage again and say, you know what? It doesn't matter what people in this room think about me. If I need to just run up there to the altar and get to the feet of Jesus and try to touch the hem of his garment and get interwoven back into the family, then that's exactly what I need to do. And it doesn't matter what the altar calls for. I had a buddy named Jamie Montera that told me one time, he said, dude, I didn't care what the altar call was for. I was running because I had to get to him. He said, I made people look at me weird because I was a preacher. He said, they called out some crazy things, man. And I wasn't even battling with it. I just wanted to get to Jesus. And I think some of us need to have the courage to stand up no matter what the altar call might be. No matter what's being called out. And we just need to run after him and get to his feet. It's important. It's important. Listen, here's the crazy thing. I'm thinking about this the whole time. It took her courage of going through something for 12 years to see the next generation resurrected. Come on. You better hear me. Jairus. 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 Get my black preacher going. Jairus. Listen, I love that name. Say it all the time. Jairus came and found Jesus, grabbed him, and said, listen, I need you to come to my house. I don't care if I'm a synagogue official or not. I don't care what the other Pharisees have to say, because even Jairus had to have courage. For real. Because you know the Pharisees were already against Jesus and didn't want nothing to do with him. Because he could do things they couldn't. But the fact of the matter but the fact of the matter is, he grabs Jesus and brings him along the way. Now, Jairus could have got mad when all of a sudden the whole posse stops. Because Jesus said, somebody touched me. I, I, listen, we, we got kids. Yes. I would have been mad. Yes. Like, I have a time limit. My daughter is dying. I need you at my house now. Yeah. I don't care who's touching. Come on, let's go. Yeah. Like being antsy and walking around. I got to get going. We got to get going. But I think... But I think Jairus understood who Jesus was to such a degree that he just trusted in the moment. Okay, you're dealing with something because you're God. I know you're still going to deal with what I've got to deal with. But what's crazy is if she touches him, she's healed. The girl that is, by the time Jesus gets there, is dead is how old? Twelve. 
So one generation's healing becomes the next generation's yes, resurrection. Yes, so when we stop playing around yes, and walking God. around like we're just going to be living in our self-pity and living in our junk and living in our mess, and we start getting desperate and get courage and start running after God the way we're supposed to, and we touch the hem of his garment, then we're going to become healed as an older generation, and it's going to cause a resurrection to begin to happen in the younger generation. Do you know that, that the earth is groaning for the sons of God to be revealed? And I'm just here to tell you that many of you older in here, including myself, just got to get over ourselves, and we got to get the courage, and we got to start running after God and touching him so that the next generation that is groaning for the sun to be revealed will be resurrected because we begin to carry the kingdom and the presence of God the way we were intended to. That's where we're supposed to live. How do the kingdoms of this world become the kingdoms of our God and of this Christ? When the church wakes up and begins to live in courage and preaches the gospel and lives it no matter what the circumstance. I think it's called courage under fire. If you know what that means for the military, it means that when somebody is shooting at you, you don't just turn and run away. You run at it and you return fire. And I've thought about that term and God woke me up with it in the middle of the night of courage under fire because I think the point about it is is that so many times we feel like in our life we're being fired at by all things that are surrounding us. We have things, whether it's from broken marriages to broken friendships to losing a job to just financial things to just things of health. Maybe it's uh, families that are estranged. Maybe it could just be the simple things that are going on that you battle every day. And what happens is eventually, instead of facing it and returning fire the right way, by seeking after God and fighting it with the word of God, by going after his presence, by telling the enemy that he doesn't have anything that he can hold over you, no matter what's come your way, we turn and run. Because we don't want to fight anymore. I thought in Timothy it says, I have fought the good fight. I fought the good fight. We're not talking about fighting in yourself and fighting, you know, physical just battles like that or fighting because you're angry or fighting because you want your own way. He was talking, I fought the good fight. That means that I ran after God so much. I fought so hard for his presence. I fought so hard to know that he was the one and the only. I fought so hard to make sure that he was my ammunition after the enemy. That everything that I did was in battle for him and what he wanted. That it, it changed the world. It changed his lifestyle. And what happened is this woman, it changed her. Because she chose that she was going to fight back. We were never meant to be cowards. Your, the faith was to empower you. It's like when you were filled with the Spirit. It was giving you the empowerment of boldness to go after God and to go after people. I'm, I'm reminded that when God raised me back up off that bed, but I was still laying there at the hospital and I'm reminded, Brandon, that years before that I was in Arizona and we encountered a man that I believe we encountered an angel. I do. 
And I was teaching Brandon, we were in Arizona, and we were in a desert area, and there was a gas station. I'm, I'm going, I'm rewinding so I can come up. And I said, you know, you, I'm going to teach you that, you know, when somebody needs a drink, you need to get them something. I said, do you see the man back there that's sitting in the trash behind that gas station? I said, come on, we're going to go get a 44 ounce. I love you, Pop. We're going to go get a 44 ounce thing of drink, and I want you to go with me, and I want you to come and sit down. And I want to teach you something about serving somebody else. And so I, I took Brandon, and we went back to the back. And he's sitting down there with his head down, and Brandon said, are you thirsty? I think he was like 12, 10 years old, something like that. And he scoots it to him, and he's still not saying anything. Brandon said, are you thirsty? I got you a drink. Are you thirsty? Brandon goes and sits down. And we sit down in the trash with that man. And he leans his head up and he goes, you've come here because God wants to bless you. All of a sudden, everything changes that we're sitting in this trash. Um, that's a few years ago. While I'm in hemorrhaging, and while I'm, I'm saying this to say this, while I'm hemorrhaging, while I'm bedridden in my home, a pastor comes and says, I found out that I think that you and your son encountered a, an angel years ago. Can I, this channel two wants to interview you. And I was like, what in the world? I'm laying in, I'm laying in bed. I've been hemorrhaging. I look like, mm, you already know, Rebecca. I wasn't good. Because every time I got up, I hemorrhaged, so... I wouldn't look in the best. They interviewed me months before that. Watch. Then all of a sudden, I'm in the hospital. I don't know that they're going to record it on, on the TV, the time I'm laying in that hospital. All of a sudden, people start coming in my room. Now, I, I'm still there. I've had pints and pints of blood come into me. And people start coming in my room, and these nurses said, I just saw you on TV. About the angel. You you encountered an angel. The next thing I know, I, I leave a, a man to the Lord. Comes into my... All of a sudden, a, a man comes up and he goes, I just want you to know, I'm dying of cancer. And God told me that I need to come in here. Well, I start praying over this gentleman. There was a courage that came in that room. Here I'm bedridden. But God's still having me reach my hand out to somebody else. Because, see, sometimes you got to get away from your junk. See, sometimes even though in your suffering, even though in your pain, sometimes you got to scoot that aside. Because, see, they that sow shall reap. If you're not feeling good, maybe you need to reach out to somebody else. If you feel like that you're going through a struggle with your finances, maybe you need to sow. Because the principle says that what you sow, you shall reap. So sometimes you have to sow out. You have to get away from yourself. You're so you're your worst enemy. You get up, you suffer. You get up, you don't feel good. You get up, and all of a sudden you're like, "Well, it's just another day." Instead of, you know what? I'm going to put my worship on, and I'm going to stand before you, God, and I'm going to I'm going to worship anyway. I've been teaching the youth on Thursdays about the purposes of heaven. And how if if we don't stay in communion with God every day, then how would we ever know the purpose of heaven? So sometimes when we get caught up in ourselves, we, we find that we live in our purpose more than we do anything else. 
And so therefore, God's purposes can't be fulfilled through us in that day. And so I was going to say something earlier that, that, that courage is not the absence of fear, but rather courage is the overpowering of your fear. That's right. And so you have to face this. Sometimes when we're going through a struggle, sometimes when we're going through something, we have to learn that our courage needs to rise above our fear. And then in turn, it gives us the ability to fulfill the purposes of heaven in our lives in that day. And so that's exactly what took place in this woman. She was probably very fearful because she could have died. That man could have drug her out in the street and stoned her to death and probably wanted to. But the reality is she let her courage overtake her fear and it ended up bringing her to a place where she got whole. Some of us just need to realize courage isn't about fear not being there. Courage is about you overcoming your fear. That's what God's trying to say to you today. It, It doesn't matter what's going on in your life. You're more than a conqueror because that's what the Bible says. If it, My grandma used to say this to me all the time. If God said it, I believe it, and that settles it. So what else are we doing? Why are we believing the voice and the lies of the enemy? When I love what you said, why are you trying to figure things out when you've already been bought with a price? You've already been paid for. Guess what that means? That doesn't just mean your salvation. It means you've been healed. It does. It means it all. Because when he said it is finished on the cross, he meant every portion of it, not just some of it. The problem is, is we lean more towards the things that the world tries to offer when it comes to medicines and stuff like that. Please don't get me wrong and be out, go out of here and be like, Pastor Josh said, don't go to the doctor. That's not what I said. But I did say you need to have more faith in God than a pill you take on every day. How many in here need a touch from Jesus? supposed to be real, but how many people say that they do could do the other way around? Just go touch Jesus. How many of you can interrupt Jesus? It was an interruption. That woman interrupted Jesus. He was on a path to that little girl's house. And that woman interrupted that path. It didn't like, oh, he touched me. Oh, no, not at all. I touched him. And, and, and the scripture says, you know, hold on, before I say this, I'm just so blown away by this courage that this girl had just to do it, first of all. And then he takes a few steps and he's like, hold on. He's like, who touched my clothes? So good. My clothes. I mean, she could have got right from Jesus. I need you. Her faith He says that your faith has made you well, made you whole. Your faith. Your faith. If Jesus did not turn and talk to her, she was already still whole. Said that she was dried up instantly. She knew. It was like a new, new life. Just. And she knew inside of herself. That courage to have the faith to say, if I can just touch it, that you that I could be whole because I heard what he did with them. And then the second courage to own up to the touch. I could slip away out of the crowd and nobody would know it was me. 
But see, what happens is, is God's trying to give you some courage to go public with what he's done for you. Some people are so afraid of that. Like, no, hold on. That woman that we keep on telling her to get away because she, she stinks bad and she's been bleeding and she's been, that can't be the same woman. He said, your faith has made you whole. Just a moment of unraveling and everything she don't have to wear anymore and the dressing she has anymore. The, the protocol for 12 years. And what's crazy, Jesus is talking to her. Somebody's running up behind him. Because he had to turn around to face her. See, Jesus will turn around and go and stop dead in his tracks just for you. And in the same hand, it said that. Man. It said why he was speaking to her. Some came to the ruler of the synagogue's house and said, your daughter's dead. Why trouble the teacher any further? In the same time, he is telling this woman, she's old, she's ill, your faith has done this. And it says, Jesus heard the words that were spoken. Of course he did. He felt something when somebody touched his clothes. He already knows the thoughts that you have. So you can act all Christian and hide your thoughts. He knows. He said, do not be afraid, only believe. Do not be afraid, only believe. And then, back into this story, there's a huge crowd following. He shuts the crowd down. He said, I'm going to take Peter, James, and John, and we're going to go over there with the Father and whoever's at the house. They said they were weeping and wailing aloud because the daughter was dead. And he, Jesus says, why make this commotion of weeping? Now, how many know that right now, this moment, at this time and age, you lose somebody and he's going to look at you and say, why are you making all this commotion and weeping? You're going to be real offended real fast. Because we live in an offense. Everything's offensive. This child's not dead, but sleeping. Didn't that happen with Lazarus? He's not dead, he's asleep. Oh, he's dead, he stinks. And it said that he only took those guys. See, sometimes, like we've said it, I said it last week, I'll say it one more time. You gotta be careful who you roll with. Because when when those things, you're gonna see what true grit is inside of them, if they do it or not. It's like, I need these these few guys with me on this one. Y'all gonna have to stay back. We don't need spectators on this, we're gonna dig in right here. This woman got up whole. This woman got up healed. Because she took the time in her last moment. She probably would have died. But yet, 12 years she was in in hemorrhaging and all this stuff. As soon as that little girl was born, this girl been struggling with hemorrhaging and the 12 year old started to develop something that was causing her to die at 12. And God put these two situations on the same path. To suck up a hemorrhage generation so another one can live. And it's so true, like you said, that there's so many times with the older generation, because we want to bypass the millennial, they acting crazy, and, and this next generation. And, but if we can just learn to get healed in ourselves, the next generation can to resurrect and stand on our shoulders and go right, even further right. than we've ever went. Right. But the woman 
and you do whatever it takes to bypass all you know, if it's God's will, I'll, you know, I'll do that. If she would have just waited on what we say, Christian lingo all the time, she would have died. Oh, if it's just God's will. Oh, if it's just God. I'm just sitting here waiting. Waiting on the Lord. But when I think about the song, wait on the Lord and, and waiting, I think it's like a server. Let's get active. Let's get serving as you yes. wait. Yes. Get moving as you wait. Put the, put the apron around and put the thing around your arm and they that wait upon the Lord. What would you need, sir? See, it was 12, 12 of the little girl, 12 of the, of the woman. Now watch. And then Luke 9 says, and he called the 12 together and gave them power and authority. Here's the 12 disciples. They're watching him display power. They're watching him give out this authority that he has. And then all of a sudden he calls the 12. So you got the 12 of the little girl, and you got the 12 of the daughter, and then he calls the 12. And 12 also represents the church. Because when they, it represents authority, it represents the church. And here he was in the government, here he is, the disciples are watching him release his power, and people are being healed, and all of a sudden he, he goes, I'm going to gather you, now you do it. And see, sometimes we're, we're sitting so long waiting when he's asking us to do it. He's releasing his power. He's releasing his authority to us. It's time to, it's time to get past it's, what we struggle with and know that if we could just dig and fight to get to yeah. the hem of his garment, yeah. that one, you're going to be healed, you're going to be whole. Two, yeah. it's going to be a public display, and Jesus Christ is going to get the glory. Yeah. From an outcast woman to an official that people respected. His daughter was raised. That that girl was made whole. And guess what? He got the glory in all of it. But please listen what we go through. Get to the get the courage enough. God's wanting us to have some grit in our life. And that characteristic of courage, He wants you to have courage. To just do whatever it takes. Just for Him. Whatever it takes to get to Him. Whatever it takes. I was just thinking about 12 years of a mountain that was moved in one touch. A mountain in her personal life was removed in one touch. But think about this. When he touched the, when she touched the hem of his garment, 12 years of bleeding, 12 years of the stench of death on her life was literally taken in a moment. And then it released the girl from that 12-year bondage. God wants us to become desperate and have the courage to run after Him. Maybe you're here this morning and you're like, man, I just really got some things going on in my life that I just need to touch the hem of this garment. And I'm, I'm going to be honest with you, I need to, me personally. I got something going on in my physical body. And it's not just about something going on in your physical body. It could be something in your mind, something in your heart, something that you struggle with that could just take one touch from this. One touch, that's it. Stand with me real quick. This morning is a morning of courage because some of us don't have the courage to step out when God's calling you to step out in courage this morning. 
Remember, courage is not the absence of fear. You might have fear in your life. Well, people will judge me. Well, guess what? There's been a lot of people being judged, but it's okay. They still have the courage to step out and go. Your judgment doesn't bother me. His does. She I was, would rather get to him than you. She was already judged. She was. What's that going to do any different? Yeah. Already judged. She already knew she was in trouble. She just knew she had to get I think to when him. she finally realized, like, there's no, I've tried everything. With doctors and everything. When I realized, like, I just need Jesus. And people are going to say stuff. I'm going against protocol. I'm just going to do whatever it takes. I've been judged. It's, it was to the point like she was going to die. I'm going to die doing this. This is my last moment. Don't even get to see my family because they've outcast me too. But I want to do whatever it takes. And I think it's twofold. I think personally in ourselves, what is it that we need courage just to, let, just, just to get to Jesus? And then the courage to step up. God's causing us all to step up. To have the courage to, to talk and to, and to help people so others can get to Jesus. You, you are maybe just the very person that they need. The only Jesus they're going to see.